sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. If sports talk stations were cars, we'd be the one that you drove the wheels off of in high school, cruising for chicks and going to the game on Friday nights, then forgetting where you parked it till Saturday morning and you had to get your buddy to drive you around looking for it. I think I see it, man. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Rolling on Sirius XM Channel 204 here for Sports Grid. It's pushing the odds. My name is Matt Peralta. How are you? Continuing here for another hour. Well, welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience here in a couple of seconds. We've got the big four for you, four big stories, or the hard four that we're covering for you guys, our four big stories. And then we'll get into proclamations and why I don't like teams when they declare we're going to win it again and guarantees, even at a parade, even with alcohol. I just don't think it's the right move, but we'll get to it during the opening line. Uh, and then we'll continue talking about what's going to happen coming up tonight. A little college basketball, a little bit about pro football, a little bit about trades, the Derek Carr situation, Sam Munson from Pro, from pro Football Focus will join us coming up in uh, at the 40, 40 past the hour. But I want to quickly jump into something that an offshore book put out this interesting thing this morning. And they went and got with Twitter and they went and geo-tracked more than 130,000 tweets right after the Super Bowl for who the greatest American athlete of all time, a.k.a. the GOAT, right? This is a big conversation. Everyone's talking about the GOAT, right? Who is the GOAT? All right, so Tom Brady, there are 20 states that have picked by their tweets, by their naming Brady, the greatest athlete of all time. Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, no shock. Pennsylvania, Delaware, Virginia, West Virginia, South Carolina, Florida, Michigan, no shock. Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, Nebraska, which is kind of odd. South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, and Alaska. Those 20 states all claim through their tweets, totally scientific, right, that Tom Brady is the greatest athlete of all time. 11 states are claiming that it's Michael Jordan. Illinois, Iowa, Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Mississippi, Alabama, North Carolina, New York, and Utah. Utah, man. Jordan scarred that state. And LeBron James comes in with 11 states. Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee. Ohio, clearly. Georgia, New Jersey. Huh? Louisiana, Nevada. Really? Oregon, Idaho, Wyoming, and Hawaii. Those 11 states claim that it's LeBron James. Now, Serena Williams, Connecticut, Minnesota, Washington, Maryland. Four states. Serena Williams. Minnesota. What? Can you even play tennis in Minnesota? (laughs) Uh, I mean, huh? All right. And Maryland in Washington? What's your obsession with tennis? Really? Like, that's, huh? All right. And then there are four states that have one athlete. Peyton Manning, Indiana. Okay, Colts fans, I could get it, all right? But you think Peyton Manning was the greatest athlete of all time? (laughs) Come on, guys. What are you doing, Indiana? Wisconsin? No, not Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers? What? Over Brady, Jordan, and LeBron? Are you kidding me? I like Aaron Rodgers. But what? Joe Montana in California. Not LeBron. Not Brady. LeBron plays there now. Tom Brady was born and bred there. Joe Montana played there. Joe Montana. 
And then Colorado, John Elway, come on, Colorado. I know you like your guys. I know you like your – John Elway is better than Michael Jordan. On what planet does that exist? That John Elway is the better American-born athlete, the greatest athlete of all time. Come on now. What does all this mean? Nothing. They used hashtags and direct keyword searches and phrases to see which state, you know, geotargets your tweets as to when you're saying he's the GOAT, that's what they came up with. Now, it's completely unscientific. It's a complete throw at the dart, you know, the dartboard. It means absolutely nothing except one thing to me, at least. We're really torn on this topic. Which is, I guess, makes it a good topic. When there's arguments on on both sides, you can talk about things in different ways. Uh, I think there are legitimate arguments to be made for Michael Jordan against Tom Brady. I think Robert Ori would probably come in here and say, wait, I've got seven. Tom's got seven. Anybody else have seven? So why am I not in this conversation? Okay. But I think the debate between Jordan and Brady will rage for a long time. And and if Brady wins another one, I don't think he will. But I didn't think he'd win seven. So, uh, I mean, if he wins again, who knows? I mean, does that kind of cement him? Does that that end the conversation? I mean, like, like how many rings does Brady have to win so it's no longer a conversation between him, Jordan, or LeBron? Because LeBron's not done. LeBron's still going. So he could repeat again. I mean, he's the defending champ right now in the NBA. He could do it again. So then what do you do with LeBron as he keeps on going? I, What's fun is that there's not a, any type of rivalry between LeBron and and Brady. Like, the, he kind of scoffed at it. When LeBron was asked those questions about, you know, Brady's going to 45, what do you or longer, you know, what do you think, how long do you want to play? And he was like, look, I play a different sport. I, I, I play a different position entirely. I've got nothing really on Brady. Him and I, I mean, it's incredible what he's doing, but I'm not comparing myself or worried about what Brady's doing, it, which is exactly what should happen. The Michael stuff will always be there. I mean, LeBron wore 23 coming into the league for a reason. So, you know, the, that stuff will always be there, and we'll compare the two and Jordan's championships and never losing in the finals and blah, 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 right? I mean, we'll go through all that. I, I think LeBron's not there yet. I mean, I, again, I'm 43. I watched Michael. I think LeBron's incredible. LeBron's doing it for multiple franchises. He's doing it in a different way in today's NBA. So you might say, well, that's more impressive. And maybe, but I've often said I cannot really say LeBron is over Michael until LeBron's done. And when he retires, I will then look at the two resumes and be able to make a definitive answer. But right now, because I've watched both men play, Michael changed the game. LeBron took the game to a whole new level, but Michael changed the game. That's what I'll always be on that. Just a little fun for us here on a Thursday. We welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience coming up next. We continue here on Series XM Channel 204 of Pushing the Up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Here he is, Matt Perron! Ahead of UFC 258, Kamara Usman against Gilbert Burns Saturday night on pay-per-view. We'll talk to Alexander K. Lee later in the show from MMAfighting.com about that about that big matchup in the welterweight division. But this morning, that's not what the MMA world is talking about. 
The MMA world is talking about Gina, uh, Gina Car- uh, Carano, who has been fired from The Mandalorian. Now, Gina Carano is an actress, has been an actress for a long time, but she was first a fighter in Strike Force, in Elite XC, and had a huge role in women's MMA going mainstream. And her role, her you know, her character on the Star Wars spin-off series on Disney Plus, The Mandalorian, was expected to lead to all sorts of big opportunities, including there was a thought of having a spin-off series for her to star in. But Gina Carano was fired this morning by Lucasfilms, and there is no plans for her to be in any future Star Wars or Lucasfilms projects because of her social media posts. According to Deadline, Carano's agents, the United Talent Agency, have also fired her in the wake of comments that she posted on Instagram yesterday in which she seemingly compared living in America as a conservative to the atrocities suffered by Jews during the Holocaust in Nazi Germany. I don't really know why in the world you would be doing this, but she had been making these posts for a while. And according to some people who are inside of the industry, uh, speaking now publicly to The Hollywood Reporter, they were saying that they were looking to fire Gina Carano for a while. And she wrote in an Instagram post yesterday, Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? Again, this goes back to the old adage, do not be comparing yourself, do not be using Nazi Germany terminology, do not be using these types of analogies ever. If you're in the, in the, if you're in the public eye, just don't talk about Hitler. Don't talk about Nazis. Don't talk about the Holocaust. Just don't talk about it. Because when you do talk about it, you're making a, a comparison that is just really, really wrong and really, really nasty and really disgusting. And people are going to really respond negatively to you. And the hashtag fire Gina Carano was trending worldwide. Okay, it was a worldwide trend that people's reaction to this was nasty, was quick, was very, very swift. And the firing of her as a 38 year old actress, she had a chance to do go and do something. And well, she has no one to blame but herself for getting fired. The MMA world is I mean, look, you had a chance to be part of the Star Wars legacy. You could have been insanely popular instead you wanted to go ahead and post things on social media and there are repercussions for doing things like that which were just not acceptable by any means according to lucas films in the statements her social media posts uh, denigrated people based on their culture and religious ideologies and identities are abhorrent and unacceptable i would agree Our four big stories. We call this the hard four. 
It's time for the Hard Four on Pushing the Odds with Matt Peralt. Well, the Bucks had a good old time yesterday. They went to a parade on the water, and, well, Tom Brady got drunk. He threw the Lombardi Trophy from boat to boat, and then GM Jason Light got on the microphone and did something that I don't think he should have done, talking about repeating and guaranteeing that Tampa does it again. The owners, the Glazer family, They've given us all the resources to keep all you guys together and to keep you next year. And we're going to win this thing again, all right? All right? Not been done in 16 years, but more than that in the opening line. Number two, Brooklyn Nets did something last night we thought they weren't able to do. They played defense against Indiana. They won, and they covered that minus two line. A little bit of a shock there. Maybe the overs will stop hitting as consistently as they have if Brooklyn actually wants to play on the defensive end. But they now start a road trip. And before they went on the road, James Harden talked about the team win and the defensive effort. And hopefully tonight, you know, before going on this road, West Coast trip, uh, going on the road, this is a great start for us. You know, so we just got to you know, build this momentum defensively. Uh, like I said, because offensively, is, you know, it's pretty much easy. We got shot makers. We got shot creators. Um, so, but defensively, if we can tie in like we did today, um, then, you know, we can, we can start winning, winning some games consecutively. Number three, could the Raiders trade Derek Carr? This is interesting. We know about the Russell Wilson issue. We know about the Deshaun Watson issue. Now we have a Derek Carr issue? That name popped up. Not really one we thought. We, we thought maybe Marcus Mariota might get traded from the Raiders, but his but Derek Carr? Well, his brother, David Carr, was on the NFL Network yesterday, and he let it be known that teams have been calling about his brother, and the, for, for up to now, the Raiders are saying no. I'll tell you that Derek is Derek doesn't like any of the noise that's happened over the last couple of years, and it's because of one major issue. It's it's what is said inside the building is different than the noise that he hears in the external. And on not I'm not saying our shows, I'm saying everywhere. I mean, the trade rumors for Derek have been widely um, reported. So I'll say this to Ian's uh, report: there have been at least four teams that have tried to trade for Derek. One team tried to trade for Derek a couple times during the season, and they were told no point blank, and they've continued to be told no. Fourth and finally here on the hard four, Mark Cuban sure stepped in it yesterday. First, he told the world that the Mavericks were not going to play the national anthem anymore before home games. The NBA stepped in real quick and said, "Uh, no, you're going to play the anthem because that's what our league rules state. You're going to play the anthem before your home games. Then Mark Cuban had to quickly backtrack and go on ESPN and explain exactly why he made the call in the first place to tell the world, hey, we're going to stop playing the national anthem. Look, we have no problem playing the national anthem at all. I stand for the national anthem. My hand is always over my heart. We've supported the National Flag Foundation and done work with them. You know, that isn't the issue at all. The, the real issue is how do you how do you express the voices of those who feel the anthem doesn't represent them or cause, causes them consternation? It's an interesting debate, interesting conversation. Not really one for the Mavericks to have on their own, though in my opinion. If you want to do it as a as an NBA, as the entire league, okay. We talked about yesterday. The UFC, they don't play the national anthem before their fights, right? So, I mean, not everyone does this. Boxing does. Boxing actually plays the national anthem of both fighters. If they're from different countries, they'll play the anthem for both. I've never heard a louder anthem being sung than when Canelo Alvarez fights here in Las Vegas. 
the Mexican fight fans scream the national anthem before his fights here. And I, and when you when you're watching a Canelo fight here in Vegas, you think you're in Mexico. Like, where are we? <laughs> like, it's incredible. It's 99% people from Mexico who are Canelo fans who are screaming at the top of their lungs about their fight or about their national anthem. So some sports do it, some sports don't. But the NBA is like, hey, Mark, you can't just do this by yourself. If we're going to do this, we all have to do this. we got to change the rules. Those are our four big stories. You guys can text the show at 702-751-MATH. That's 702-751-6288. Opening line on what we just saw yesterday from the Bucks at the parade. And the Bucks made the same mistake that the Chiefs made. You love the success so much. You love the adoring fans in the spotlight so much that you don't check yourself. You don't watch what you say on the microphone. We'll get to the opening line coming up next on that. More to come. It's Pushing the Odds here on a Thursday. We do this 24 hours a day, working hard to bring you the news you can use. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Believe it or not, you can listen too much to us. I mean, it's possible. Get to know your family again. Did you know your wife cries herself to sleep every night? That's what she told us this is the sports grid radio network opening line for us here on a thursday's pushing the odds that is the gm of the tampa bay buccaneers jason light guaranteeing a victory next year in the super bowl it's interesting that this is the go-to line for a lot of teams. And this is why I was very much against what the Chiefs did last year. Now, the Chiefs went one step farther. The Chiefs said, we're going to build a dynasty. This is going to be a dynasty. And everybody pointed out that, look, the last team to repeat as Super Bowl champions, the Patriots back in 2003 and 2004. It's been a while, 16, 17 years since we've seen a team go back to back in the NFL. And the reason is, the reason that is, is because of how difficult it is to go back to back, even when you get the whole team to come back. So here's Mike Evans, okay? Mike Evans is saying, you know, first the GM. Now here's the star wide receiver talking about because the team, the whole team is coming back. They're going to be right back there celebrating a championship in Tampa. We ain't running it back. We going for two. F- all that. Let's get it. I love y'all. Yo, to my teammates, coaching staff, front office, I love y'all to death, man. Y'all families deserve this. We deserve this. We worked hard all year. Yes, they ain't going nowhere either. Yeah, we ain't going nowhere. We doing it again. We love y'all. God bless. See, there is something to be said for the Belichick mindset. There's something to be said about do your job. The difference between Brady at the six Patriots Super Bowls and Brady in the Tampa Bay Super Bowl party was pretty much you saw it in full display. Tom Brady was throwing the Lombardi trophy from boat to boat. Like, it became so much of a commonality, this coveted thing you work your whole life for, that Tom Brady turned the thing into a Frisbee. 
He was just like, hey, man, catch. It's just a Lombardi trophy. It's not that big of a deal. I got six of these things. It's not a big deal at all. This is number seven. Go ahead and catch. That's how comfortable Brady was with the thing, that it's just a piece of metal to him now. There's no sentimental value. I mean, granted, that's all it is anyway, right? That's all any trophy is. It's a sentimental piece of material that we put value upon because it means you did something. We assign the value to that structure. There's no real value other than what the medal is worth to have a Lombardi trophy. It's what it represents and what it symbolizes. And it became so calm and cavalier, so easy for Brady, that he can throw the thing from boat to boat. It's not that big of a deal anymore for Brady. For Brady, it's just another day at the office. I got seven, man. I got three more fingers left I can go and try to fill up here with championship rings. But at the Patriots parties, Gronk was Gronk. But Brady wasn't Brady. Brady wasn't even seen drinking most years. Brady was on the microphone always talking about the the ride and how things were. And we're going to have... A lot of success, but it's all with our team and get back to work. I mean, Belichick literally said, do your job one day off, no days off, right? This is our day off, no days off. Bill Belichick literally on a microphone at the celebration for the Patriots said, no days off. That was his mentality that, look, We'll party today, and then tomorrow we're back to work. Now, Brady did say those things going into the game. If you remember, Tom said, look, if we win, if we lose, doesn't matter. The very next day, we're back to preparing and getting ready for next season. So Brady still brought that mindset until it came time to party. And then Brady went nuts. And good for Tom Brady. All right? He's away from Belichick. But you understand after you watch Tampa and you watch Kansas City, you kind of go, Oh, that's why he does that. That's why he doesn't let his guys talk. That's why he doesn't want that type of reaction. He doesn't want you to get drunk, literally, on, or figuratively, on the emotion of winning. Because even Brady talked about it during the lead-up to the Super Bowl. Winning is more of a relief. Losing is what you remember. And it is true, and there are some correlations in sports gambling. Now, there are some big hits that you will, you will get. There are some big bets that you will get right, and they will be memorable because of the money you win or the long shot bet that you hit or that crazy, you know, everyone said you were nuts. You put your money down, and you were right. But for the most part, you can have a winning record, and the losses hurt you way more in sports gambling. It's the same type of mentality. You've put yourself out there. You're betting these games. You're picking these games. And when you lose, it stinks. It hits you. You're like, oh, man. And then you got to get back to work. Get back on the grind. When you're on a hot streak, you ride it. And you feel good about it. But you don't get overly you know, cocky about it. Because you know that the losses are coming. You know the down, the fall is coming. And you want to try to stave off. Falling back to the mean, you want to stave off, you know, finding your level as much as possible. In the greatest gamblers in the world, it's 57%, right? So you have a hot week, a hot month, great. The other side is coming. The downside of the wave is coming. You're going to be prepared for that. And in sports, for football, for the work, you got all these other teams coming after you. They want what you want. For the Chiefs, Look how everything had to go right for Kansas City to win their first championship. And then in their second run, trying to repeat, you had a team in Tampa 
that looked a whole lot like the 2007 New York Giants, where the Patriots blew them out, killed them in the regular season. The Patriots were 18-0. Nobody had beaten them. They were going to go 19-0 and run the table, and it didn't happen. It didn't go the way the Patriots wanted. The plays went for the Giants. The David Tyree catch, right? It was insane. The pin, everything. How does Eli Manning get out of that? How does he make that throw? The defense doesn't hold. The Giants win the game, and the Patriots are forever 18-1. and That Chief team looked a whole lot like the Patriots in 2007, and everything went the way for Tampa. How many dropped balls? How many balls hit guys in the hands or in the face? that they dropped during the Super Bowl. When you watch that game back, the goal line drop by Tyree, the drop at the end zone, uh, I think that was, I forget who had the ball on that crazy when Mahomes is laying parallel to the ground and throws the ball, and it smacks a guy in the face. I mean, like, those catches normally happened in normal games for the Chiefs. Everything went against them, and then they don't repeat. This is why repeating is so difficult, and this is why I don't get why even the head coach, the GM, star-wide receiver, and Bruce Arians guaranteeing another victory. I cannot take credit for any of this. All right, we have the best coaching staff in the NFL, and we damn sure got the best players in the NFL. All right? And anybody that says running back, bullshit. That was Kansas City's bullshit. We're going for two. All right, we're going for two, and we ain't stopping. All right? We're going to keep this band together, and they know how to win. All right? I mean, I get it. You want to bask in the glory. You want to enjoy it. You got the fans in front of you. The fans want to hear that this good time will never end, and nothing's going to stop you, that you're going to run through everyone. But that's not really what happens with football. Okay, <laughs> that's not what happens in the NFL. The likelihood that the Bucks are back in the playoffs, high, very likely. The likelihood the Bucks are back in the NFC Championship game, pretty high. Unless Tom Brady gets hurt, then what? <laughs> then what? Who are you going to you know, lean towards, right? So that's a concern you have to have. You're basically one injury away from derailing the entire run. But let's say Brady stays healthy. Let's say Brady's fine. What happens if you don't get the breaks? What happens at the next time when you're playing the Packers or somebody else in the championship game and it's you know five seconds to halftime and Brady throws a lollipop ball, it gets picked off this time versus getting dropped. And then the defense actually plays the right defense against you with four or five seconds left and Scotty Miller doesn't get that long touchdown this time, Right. You don't get the breaks. The plays aren't the same. It's a magical run. That was an incredible run. The Giants came back four years later and beat the Patriots again in the Super Bowl for Eli Manning's second ring, but they didn't get back there all right, for four more years. That's the problem. It's really, really hard to do this. And I, I just cringe at it. Now, I'm glad, again, they didn't use the word dynasty like the Chiefs did, but I think the Buccaneers, I wouldn't bet on the Bucs to win it all. No way. No, I think the Chiefs are a much better bet next year to win it all than the Buccaneers are. Buccaneers are a good football team. Okay, they are. They got the best quarterback of all time. And you got the GOAT, you're in the conversation. Like I thought they would be. I was right about them all the way until the Super Bowl, even though I bet on them for the Super Bowl. 
preseason, I said, I thought they would go all the way to the NFC Championship game, and I thought they would lose. They didn't lose. They won that game. And thus, I bet on Brady because I wasn't going to go 0-3. I bet on Brady to lose against Washington, against New Orleans, and against the Packers, and I was 0-3. He proved me wrong every single time, and thus I said, fine, I'm not betting against him in the Super Bowl. I'm taking Brady. If I'm wrong, so be it. And Brady won. And the books made a lot of money off of it, off of Tom Brady. And I guess being on the side of Brady was a real good thing for the books. Normally, it's a bad thing for how much money that guy has lost the books over the years. Normally, it's a, you know, it's a pretty good thing that Brady actually, again, things tend to even their way out in some ways. But Brady, back again, there's no reason why that team's not going to win 10 games. There's no reason why that team's not going to be maybe to win the division. I mean, let's see what happens with New Orleans, who's playing quarterback in New Orleans, who's playing quarterback in Atlanta, who's playing quarterback for the Panthers. I get it. They're going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to be right there with a chance to go back. And maybe they even wind up in Los Angeles. But winning that game, winning the Super Bowl in back-to-back years has not happened in 16, 17 years, and I don't see it happening for Tampa. I would fade that proclamation from Jason Light, Mike Evans, Bruce Arians. I don't see the Bucks winning at all again. Sam Munson, Pro Football Focus. Let's talk about the Russell Wilson situation, quarterback carousels, and the Bucks. Next year, more than the odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Doing good. How about you? I am wonderful. I want to get your take. And you guys yesterday, I felt like Pro Football Focus was intentionally trolling Russell Wilson with his comments about the fact that he didn't want to get hit as much and that he had been sacked too much in Seattle. Then you guys were like leaking it out that, hey, by the way, Russell Wilson was tied for the second most sacks taken by a quarterback that were his fault at 14. So what are you talking about? The offensive line not being great. You had a lot of to do with how many times you were getting sacked last year for Seattle. But what's your take and what's your read on the relationship here between Russell Wilson and Seattle, and, and could he actually be going somewhere else next year? I guess he could be. Um, I think it would be a massive overreaction from everyone involved to, to press the nuclear button, given what we know. Um, but I think it was a very public statement of him saying, look, I am tired of this. Um, we need to do something about it collectively um, because it can't keep going on the way it's going on. And uh, I don't see any reason it would need to go beyond that unless they the team thinks that well we're not going to change like things are working well as it is and you just have to live with that um but i think it's important that yeah look russell wilson is an important part of this equation an important part of the dynamic um of him getting hit like the thing that can move the needle the most in terms of protecting russell wilson is russell wilson not necessarily you know drafting a couple of offensive linemen what do you make, if they were going to move him, what would be, he's 32 years old, he wants to play another 15 years, he says. He just gave this article with GQ about basically saying, if you're not doing the Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're, you know, you're last. And he has a monster cap hit if he were to be traded before June 1st or traded after June 1st. It gets broken up before two years, but it's still a $39 million cap hit on Seattle. Can they even move him? Is it even possible to move him? 
Yeah, I think they can, but they clearly are not going to be motivated to do it. Um, they they would want no part of getting Russell, getting rid of Russell Wilson. Firstly, because of that cap hit. Secondly, because he's the best thing that's happened to the franchise in years. So there's literally no reason for Seattle to want to get rid of Russell Wilson, um, and. There's no way that things should have gotten badly bad enough from his point of view uh, for him to want for that to be unfixable for you know him to be irreparably upset by the way things are going. This should be something that the team can fix fairly easily by just sitting down with him and addressing how they are going to change things so that his life is a little easier and that he is a little happier about things. Yeah, it's really. I mean, can if Wilson's available, hypothetically speaking, right? We know that Deshaun Watson wants out. He's trying to force his way out. Russell Wilson, could he go down that path? Would you see him going that path, trying to force the hand of of the Seahawks, basically saying, "I'm done. I don't want to play here anymore." He, he could. I mean, quarterbacks could always do that. But the question is, why would you? You know, with with Deshaun Watson, the relationship in Houston is clearly broken down. He has no faith in the organization, no faith that things are going to get better there. He wants out, and it's not unreasonable to look at the situation and say, "Yeah, I get, I get it. I understand why he wants out of there, and why you wouldn't have faith that that organization is going to do things correctly around him." I don't think you can have the same fears in Seattle. You know, you look around what's happened, and sure, they've done things that haven't necessarily been best practice in terms of how teams should be built or offenses should be constructed and, and all these kinds of things, but it's worked. You know, they've been a successful franchise for a long time, and they have been winning games, and they have been generally moving in a fairly steady direction. It's not the same. You know, you, you can't look at it from Russell Wilson's point of view and say, yeah, they've, they've just been undermining this guy at every turn and not helping him out. They've definitely leaned into uh, a certain way of doing things and because of that haven't uh, invested heavily in his protection and an offensive lineman and those kinds of things, but that's fixable. That's something that could be changed and could be addressed and, and shifted around to a point where he is happier. So again, I, I just don't think, I don't see a reason that he would immediately want out of that situation i have this like fever dream of the saints getting russell wilson i know it's really hard and they don't have the cap space to do it and it's most likely just again a fever dream but who do you think winds up as the starting quarterback in new orleans with that offense next year it's a good question um you know sean payton more than anybody has been uh, extolling the virtues of Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback when everyone else thought it was ridiculous. If ever he's going to lean into that, this is the time. Maybe they bring back Jameis Winston because he's cheap and because you know it's a, a guy that's been in the system and could potentially come and start. Maybe Drew Brees is not done. You know, we thought we kind of thought this a year ago that this is the time Drew Brees is going to hang them up, and then the longer into the offseason it went, the more he was like, yeah, you know what, let's give it one last go-around and, and take another swing at this. And I think you know, Brees going into retirement might end up being the way of Brett Favre, where you know, oh. come January every season, he doesn't want any part of, of football, but when we get to June, July, August, suddenly he's getting the itch and he wants to play again. That might be the way it is. And the Saints, I think, will probably give him the rope to – to do that every single year because they don't want to experience life without Drew Brees. Interesting. So you don't think Jameis could be the starting quarterback there next year? I think he could be, yeah. That's that's definitely one of their options. He will be a cheap option and a guy that's been in that system 
for a year. We don't know what he looks like within the system as a you know, full-time starter because they never went to him, but I, I certainly think it's an option. All right, if this Wentz trade happens and Nick Foles is actually traded in a package that brings Carson Wentz to Chicago, it really is incredible to stop and think about the ties these two guys have. But what do you make of Wentz in Chicago, and is he really an upgrade from Mitchell Trubisky? Yeah, I think he probably is, but it's probably not a huge one. Let's assume that Carson Wentz is not the player from 2020, and then he can be pieced back together to something like the player he was before that. Um, I think you also have to assume that he isn't the player from 2017 either. The MVP candidate, Carson Wentz, I think that was largely um, a red herring of the season. I don't think that was built on things that are sustainable and things that he can consistently do going forward. So he's probably somewhere in the middle. And if you look at the rest of his career, it is somewhere in the middle. I think he can be that guy going forward, and that is definitely a better player than Mitchell Trubisky. But it isn't a giant leap forward, and particularly not when um, you have to deal with the contract that's coming with him. You know, he's getting paid a, a monster amount of money for what would not be a seismic leap forward in production. Hmm. When you're looking at the quarterback carousel potential, where these guys may all wind up, who winds up in New England? I think that's one of the biggest dominoes to fall. New England, we thought this was what was going to happen last year, which is we were finally going to get a look at Bill Belichick's mind in terms of how he views the quarterback position. Now that he has to think about it for the first time in 20 years, you know, outside of Tom Brady. And where are they going to go with the draft? Where are they going to go hard after one of the free agents? Where are they going to try and make a trade happen? In the end, they kind of did nothing until right before the season where they just went, you know what, Cam Newton's still available for almost nothing. Let's sign him. Uh, obviously, that didn't work out. It wasn't all Cam Newton, but the problem was still there. So we're, we're going to see the same situation. Only this time, it, they can't do nothing the same way they did last year. There's no way they can go a second offseason essentially not addressing the most important position in the NFL. So again, we're going to look at, do they try and draft a quarterback? Do they make a big move for somebody they love in the draft? Do they go hard after a free agent? Do they try and make, um, you know, move heaven and earth to get it to Sean Watson or Russell Wilson or whoever it is? I honestly don't know which way they're going to go. None of us know how Bill Belichick views that position outside of Tom Brady. Right. And if they are going to go and swing big and they get the players back who opted out, they get Hightower and whatnot back defensively, maybe they add a couple players in, in, in the draft, what, what is your take on, on where the Patriots are in that division? If Deshaun Watson goes to the Jets and Tua gets to draft a wide receiver to play with at number three, are the Patriots the worst team in the division? They certainly could be. I mean, New England this year was not in good shape. Um, Sure, they had the issues in terms of opt-outs, but this is a roster that doesn't have as much talent as they used to. And there's a reason that the last year with Tom Brady was seen as a declining year because the talent had been declining around Tom Brady as well. And it just, it's not in good shape. They're not one of those dominant rosters that they were in the years past, in addition to having Belichick and Brady and, and all the good things that have made them so consistent over a couple of decades. It isn't a great roster, and certainly they're not the best one in the division. They're probably not the second best in the division. I think they would still be better than the Jets, um, but that's where they're battling for now. It's trying to get back towards teams like Buffalo and Miami, not um, definitely being better than them. Yeah, I, I just 
Do you think that at the end of the day, when it's all done, do you think Deshaun Watson's in New York? Is is that where you see him? To me, it, the Miami move makes too much sense and always has from day one. Miami is the team with the most ammunition to trade for him. They're the team that is in a Super Bowl window. If they acquire Deshaun Watson, they're already in the playoff window right now. Uh, and they would still have moves to make in terms of uh, surrounding him with some talent. Um, and also, you know, Miami's a pretty good place to be living. Florida, no income tax. Just everything about that move makes too much sense for all parties. Uh, if it's going to happen, I think it has to happen to Miami. If it's going to happen, and if it's Miami or New York, doesn't it have to happen before the draft in April? And if the if the Texans are saying, we're not going to do this, if we have to trade him, we'll trade him, you know, come training camp, we'll make him sit out, we'll make him hold out before we trade him. Doesn't that really make it difficult for Miami or New York to make a move? I, I don't think it has to happen before then, but it certainly needs to be at least explored before then. You know, teams need to understand what it would look like, how it would function, um, and be, be prepared to sort of put it off into the future a little bit in terms of uh, passing specific markers on the league calendar. But, yeah, I, I think if it happens, if it goes beyond the draft and nobody has even had sort of concrete discussions on the topic, it's very, very hard to trade him from scratch after that. Yeah, and then if you're the Texans, aren't you losing all leverage if you do that? Like, how much do you buy Nick Casario's proclamation that they're not trading Deshaun Watson? I'm sure he doesn't want to trade him, but it's hard to find any leverage that the Texans have anyway. I mean, Deshaun Watson is the guy that wants out, and ultimately he's been paid a ton of money already. He has the kind of financial security to play hardball if that's the way they want to go. And if your franchise quarterback doesn't want to be the franchise quarterback anymore, there's not an awful lot you can do to make to convince him that he does. So I'm sure they don't want to, to trade him. They're going to try their best to convince him that, hey, we can put this thing back together and move in the right direction. But if he wants out, they're going to have to get rid of him at some point. <laughs> what a crazy offseason. Sam, good stuff, my friend. Appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Anytime, guys. Take it easy. That is Sam Munson at PFF underscore Sam to go follow him on Twitter here on Pushing the Odds. I, you know, It's been too quiet on that front, on the Watson front, to be quite honest. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there and who are saying, and look, our, our guy James Palmer from the NFL Network has a report out today about that it looks like, Watson's going to hold firm like the people around Sean Watson are saying he's not <laughs> he's not going to change his mind. He wants out. He wants to go somewhere else. And the team is hoping maybe that in March they can fix it and they can find a new way with a new coach and GM to kind of figure it out. But they're purging more people from the front office in Houston. And it's you know that culture change is not really what Watson was looking for, to be quite honest. 702-751 Matt's text line. We got more to come. Don't move. It's a Thursday. Push up the odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Grid Radio Network. To go, if he does want to go anywhere, uh, no one knows who's playing quarterback for the Saints. Like, think about where we are right now in the NFL as we head into the offseason. It is really a unique, very different type of world. I mean, we never enter an offseason with this many questions at quarterback. Like, even just in the AFC East, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, we don't know who the starting quarterback's going to be for all three of those teams. Three of the four teams in the division, we don't know who's playing quarterback next season with these teams. We think two is playing there in Miami. We don't know. We're pretty confident the Jets aren't going to go with, with Sam Darnold, but we don't know. And the Patriots have a whole bunch of big, big problems there. You go and take a look at the Titans, okay? We think they're locked in on Ryan Tannehill. Were we positive they're locked in on Ryan Tannehill? The Jaguars, uh, we think they're taking Trevor Lawrence right at one, but is he starting day one with Urban Meyer? We think the Colts, who's getting, who's playing quarterback for the Colts? Who's playing quarterback for the Texans? <laughs> who's playing quarterback for the Broncos? You see this? This is ridiculous. You start going, Seattle, all of a sudden there's questions in Seattle. Who's playing quarterback for the Panthers? Who's playing quarterback for the Saints? Who's playing quarterback for the Falcons? Who's playing quarterback for the Bears? Who's playing quarterback for the Eagles? Who's playing quarterback for Washington? Like, this is insane when you really stop and think about where we are in the NFL as this is the one position that every team locks up first and foremost. Number one, who's your quarterback? Get the quarterback. Everything else falls into place with your quarterback first and foremost. And we have, like, it feels like half the league There are questions about whether or not that team, the team that we're talking about, has a quarterback decision. Like, I just haven't seen this before. It's just ridiculous. And we don't see NBA-type off-seasons in the NFL. And we're about to see one where we just see a ton of big stars moving and changing and switching teams and teams swapping quarterbacks, teams swapping players. It's ridiculous. Next up on Sports Radio, you got lunchtime with bookmakers here in Vegas with Brian Blessing, Sports Map, Don't Move, more to come, and a little UFC talk coming up next here on Pushing Cuts. What is the winning edge? It's sports news you can use. And you can only get it right here. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. Coming at you all day, every day.